Hello, this is Robert Husky, and thank you for joining us at Media 1099. This episode is part two of an interview my co-host Michael Durr and myself had with Matt Brown. Please feel free to listen to part one or join us now for part two. Now let's hop back to this great conversation. So speaking of social media, where where do you consume most of your media now? Oh boy. Yeah. Because I, I just think it's an interesting question hearing right. from different people. Right. So um, old school. You know, I still, we were in New York in June, my wife and I, and I went to bookstores. I still love to put my hands on a magazine or a book. So um, I go to a lot of museums. When I was a, when I was a younger man on my dating circuit, uh, I used to take girls to museums all the time. And it was not to be romantic, but it was a way to like, A, be on the date and then I can go see the, you know, Rembrandt or, you know, the this photo there, that photo there. So we'd go to Riverside or San Diego. So I'm a huge museum guy. Um, when we were, when I was with Angels, every time we were on the club, on off days when we would travel, I'd go to museums. I had sometimes I took, I took Howie with me one time. Um, oh, who else? I, I went with, oh, Hector. Hector was up for anything. But I'd go to museums. Uh, we were in Pittsburgh. I went to Andy, uh, 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 Andy Warhol. Remember I told you that crazy Andy Warhol <laughs> exhibit? Yeah. There's a lot of nude men and wax. And it was kind of like, that <laughs> scarred me for a while. But yeah, like museums. I'm huge in museums. I love to see paintings. Um, and you say like, what does a painting have to do with photography? But it's the way you, they looked at art, the way you, you look at lighting and the way you see stuff, you might get a, might get an idea on posing. Like if you look at certain pictures and you go like, Oh, I like the way they posed all the children around, like the father's feet by the fire and some painting from, you know, 400, whatever. Maybe you end up using that when you do a family photo. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. So I do a lot of that. And it's like, I don't think a lot of photographers go to museums I don't think a lot of photographers are very creative outside of photography. Um, and that's a shame. Like to me, it's just one tool in my tool belt. So I watch a lot of quality movies. Like you, you will not catch me once the kids go away. And I mean, not, not in the grave, but leave the house, (laughs) me going to a Marvel movie. Like I will not give my money at the movie theater. Like we just watched (laughs) Jurassic world last night. That was the worst piece of crap <laughs> I'd seen. It was so bad. Like the bad millennial girl, the bad millennial guy, like the CGI was garbage. Like, like the lines, there was a bad scene where the dinosaur had a leather strap over its mouth. Then it wasn't. And then it was. And I'm like, okay, editor needs to be fired. And I'm the guy that's like, look up the editor's name. Let's send him an email. <laughs> send it to his union boss. Cause he should be, you know, um, so I, li- I watch a lot of older movies, um, anything Orson Welles did, mm. Third Man, Strangers. I love the lighting in that. Uh, a lot of old European movies. Um, but I like to look at older movies. So it kind of is a weird thing like because you guys never experience it. So I get my older brother, Mark. He's a total rocker. My dad's a country guy. My other brother, Adam's like new wave. Records were around. I used to get so much visual stimulation from records, right? So Mark would get a Led Zeppelin, their first album. And I thought, oh my God, these four guys have four individual photos. And how did they do that? Now I know it's a slow rear slink 
photo flash with strobes and gels. I saw that and said, that's magical. How did that happen? Oh, I want to do that. I had no idea until me, obviously, years later. But I used to get so much stimulation from record albums, whether it was, you know, I mean, you name it, like a million albums. And my brother had a ton. And then we'd go to the library, and libraries used to have records. And you look in and go through the record albums, or you go to the record store, and you look through there, and you're like, oh, that's an awesome photo of Marvin Gaye, or that's an awesome photo of, you know, Men Without Hats, whatever. So record albums used to be a huge visual stimulating resource for me to like get ideas and use. And I've actually quote unquote stole ideas from an album cover of whatever and used it, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, Bing Cosby, you know, whatever, whatever. So, um, a lot of that was stimulating. Then we don't have that now. Uh, I read, I have a bookmark section every morning when I get into the office I'll take like 20 minutes to myself and I'll just go through and I'll hit like Esquire, Vanity Fair, GQ, you know, do all the newspaper stuff. And then like there's a laundry list of like, I can't even name them. I've typed them in once and they've been bookmarked in, but it might be like tech because obviously I'm in tech and then we have a division of Tavik, which is fashion. So I go through all my fashion stuff and look at like, what's Tom Ford doing? Or, you know, no, 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 no. So I get a lot of my stimulation through that catalogs. I'm a huge catalog person. I think my mailman probably hates me, Scott, because I get catalogs for everything, whether it's Best Made, Nordstrom, um, Huckberry, like Stance, like total catalog guy and get a lot of stimulation there because you get to see what other people are doing. Um, For me, uh, fashion is always kind of driven a lot of what I do uh, with color palettes and the way I pose people. So I use a lot of that as well. Um, we, when we were in New York, I went to, we were at Ralph Lauren's, um, building. He's got like three buildings adjacent to each other. And I walk around and I'll look at the photos. They, they treat it like a gallery. They change the artwork there every like three months, like a show. And so like, I'll see new stuff and I'll take a picture of my phone and be like, Ooh, I like the way she was posed and the way the light hit her. And they just did it all very, you know, this or that. So I'm, I'm not sitting there on Instagram going, Ooh, yeah, because I mean, I've been doing this long enough. And I've seen so much stuff. You're not going to show me much I, that I haven't seen before. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that all the time in the workshop. There's nothing like, like, oh, I had no idea you can put a wide angle by a steeple. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't, eh, whatever. You, you mentioned bookstores. Do you have a, a couple go-to books or anything that you really recommend as far as uh, being instrumental for your photography or your business or anything along those lines? Uh, there's not many, like some of the older photo books, just if you want to like Ansel's, all of Ansel's books mm-hmm. are pretty good, but I would honestly tell people business books. Yeah. Like, yes, you can learn all the photography books, business books, start off. And I know it's silly. Start off with business for dummies. Yeah. They make business or dummies for everything, but start off with it, figure it out, learn it. Um, so Stanford puts all of its courses online. So they record them and they put them all on there. And I've actually, because I'm in the studio all myself all day, I have been taking business and economics classes at Stanford in Irvine. And I just play them all day long. And I listen, you know, I don't know what's, whatever a semester yeah. costs at Stanford, I'm just getting e-com. So I know a ton about tariffs right now. Um, I know they're working. I know there's a lot of people hurting from it and I know everything about them. 
but I, I constantly am just feeding the beast. So that's a good avenue. But photo-wise, I wouldn't say like, oh, you've got to have, you know, this photo 101 because there's so many photographers that are not good at the basics. Mm. So if I tell you to go get this digital book or learning archiving, right? So now you don't know how to do any composition. You yeah. don't know how to properly crop. You know, like that's the stuff like you need to learn before you get like, well, I need to learn how to network my FTP. Like you don't need to be there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I threw Robert under that bus and after beating him, I told him, I told him I gave you, I, I gave you a bunch of baseball books yeah. and I said, look at these. Yeah. And then I also told him, learn everything you could possibly know about FTP and you got like 60 days. Go. <laughs> <laughs> run, kid, run. Um, like that's it. I mean, um, I would say if you want to learn, don't don't pick up a photo book, pick up the phone, call a photographer and say, hey, can I hang out with you for a couple of days? You'll learn more just shut up watching than you will reading the book you're not really aware of. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably picked up more just from talking to people on this podcast yeah. than any photography book, really. Yeah. I mean, I've learned more in like uh, impromptu coffees and lunches than in like in any business meeting or anything because like it's just more free flowing. Yeah. Like you could pick people's brains. I mean, you guys are doing this podcast and that's great. And that gives you an avenue. You understand how what you didn't know five years ago, maybe like how to put a podcast up, sound, audio. When things went sideways or going to go sideways in 08, I don't know why. I've always had a a love for cinema. And so I started working, uh, Phil Thurman was at Fullerton College. We hit it off. He was the SID there. Um, And we talked about films and movies and stuff. And I've gone to Maine Media Workshop up in Maine. It's kind of redundant. Obviously, it's Maine. Um, that I took a video course with uh, P.F. Bentley, who's a sweetheart, another guy, mentor. Um, and I took a three-week course up there and learned video and learned audio and learned how to do all this stuff. So when things were starting to go bad for people in 08, I was picking up jobs and I was starting to shoot stuff for SI doing video. You follow Peter Reed Miller behind the scenes, shoot a little two minutes of that. And then you post something doing stuff for uh, GQ and Esquire. And then I was starting to do videos for other companies when other photographers, a, when they saw it happening, just put their heels down and were like, I'm a photographer. I dare not learn anything else. I mean, I remember one of the courses I took at OCC and I keep mentioning them because they have one of the best photo programs around for, for college in general. I took a Photoshop course. We were at the register transferring over from, dark room to digital and everybody was standing around going like, well, what is this Photoshop thing with the six tools? Like nobody knew, nobody understood. And they brought in Adobe people, but they weren't journalists. So they were teaching us like Adobe people. So I took a semester at OCC and learned Photoshop there. and was like, well, that was helpful. Now I get it. So I think a lot of photographers need to keep learning. Yeah. And it's great that you guys are doing that. Um, because taking those courses at, at Maine have completely expanded my avenue. Like since then, I've done documentary work with Greenlee. Um, we've made a movie. I made a movie on a kid at Northridge who was hearing impaired that ended up getting in like six or seven uh, film festivals. Um, Phil and I are, are, are working on our are working on scripts for movies, um, doing stuff. So like I've got my fingers in a ton of other things that kind of 
why I don't have other clients, you know, why I don't have, or am I actively searching for them? Because I'm actually doing other things than photography. Like Phil and I's, you know, writing writing a movie takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I'm dabbling. You know, Phil and I, I do, we do, we made Coach Ted, which is a character. Um, I'm doing stand up. So like, I got my feet, you know, not just in photography, but all over the place. Right. And it helps mm-hmm. me when I'm doing my photography that I'm not burned out on it. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, does that prevent, <clears throat> excuse me, does that prevent burnout? You yeah. know, just by kind of. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, each person I'm with, like Phil's different than Mike. Phil is um, very funny. So when him and I get together, it's like riffing, right? We get together, we banter, we make jokes. When I'm with Mike, it's kind of like I'm making jokes for Mike, make Mike laugh, but then Mike's creative juices start flowing and he's like, let's try this, let's try that. When we were working together, he's moved on to a different division in, at Cal State Fullerton. And I miss him dearly. Like when I, when Mike and I worked together, like we did, we were doing stuff nobody else was doing because nobody cared because we were Cal State Fullerton. But like SC and UCLA weren't doing it because, well, they just didn't have it set up yet and nobody cared. Mike and I were doing it. So we were just like, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's make commercials and make <laughs> stupid stuff and do things with a mascot. And they're like, okay. And the people at Fullerton didn't really appreciate it because they didn't know what we were doing. Right. Now that we're not doing it, they're kind of like, wow, I remember when you guys made those those baseball commercials, those were pretty awesome. Can mm-hmm. you do it again? We're like, yeah, but did you realize that took three weeks and <laughs> we did it all on our own? No, no, we did not. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think having to keep pushing forward and just learning new things, um, because it's constantly changing. Like you went from a transition of film to like the first shitty digital cameras to now it's all digital to video. And now you're sending instantly to social media. Like, and then, yeah, 10 years from now, what's it going to be? Like, I took a class trying to learn Adobe Premiere because I was like mm-hmm. a Final Cut user. And it was like a four-weekend class of just like right. out of L.A. City College because like I just need to learn the buttons. Right. Like, I Where need, am I putting my hands? Yeah. What What are the quick keys that like basic setup? And then once you kind of get that, like you could transfer other skills that you have going on. But it was just like it was my first class in a while of like, oh, yeah, like this is cool not knowing anything and having like no real uh, like expectations of what the end product is going to be. You know? Are you leaving Final Cut? Oh, yeah. I, I or did Final Cut leave you? <laughs> uh, I'd say I left Final Cut. And then it pretty much when we started this podcast, like I started doing more Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and although it's not really like a, a audio editing thing, I just like, hey, I need to practice. So if I can get three hours of editing this audio like here, right. it takes me away from Final Cut. And now it's just like the back of my hand and things come in. I'm trying to get more After Effects in play right. now because like everything's going towards that and just trying to be patient and just like relearn how to walk, it seems like. Right. No, I think there's a lot of photographers that need to keep pushing themselves or they get stale. And there's many of them that are just like, no. Yeah. Not gonna do it. I'm good just the way I am. I think, I think honestly, the best thing uh, for some photographers has has been other photographers. Like, uh, we'll bring up Wally again. So Wally, Wally could be regarded as the big fish at the LA Times, right? I think uh, Robert Gautier is wonderful as well. But there's, um, I think Marcus having Marcus Jam get there has made Wally better mm. because they used to call, they still do, the LA Times the Velvet Coffin. When Wally was at the little papers, 
He was winning all the MPPA for best week's work and all that stuff because he was shooting five or six assignments a day. So he was getting all these things and he wasn't shooting the Dodger game. He might, he might be shooting all these high school games at three o'clock. So the light's gorgeous. And that's what the people, the contest would see. He gets the LA Times, not as many awards, making more money, start to get a little comfortable. Marcus comes along and he's like on fire. He yeah. doesn't care. He's going to run around and do whatever he can. I think that sparked a little fire in Wally's ass, which is sure. good for him because Wally's not a video guy. That's me young, right? Like that's not his lane. He doesn't want to do it. He's put his feet down and decided like, that's not me, which can be dangerous, but I don't think Wally's in jeopardy of losing his job. But there's certain people that if you had that ability to do audio, do video, do anything else, might keep you around, might get you another client. If you're in the middle of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, you could be the best multimedia person around because mm-hmm. you at least have five or six skill sets. Yep, right. If you just have one, mm, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Iron sharpens iron. Right. Yeah. Now, what I don't like to see though is the guy who's like, "Oh, I'm a photographer. I'm a graphic artist. I do this," and they don't do any of them any good. Right. And it's a soccer mom who's like, I do kids' portraits on the side. Well, because you watch a YouTube video, you're mm-hmm. you're horrible. I, a friend of mine, Scott, who was telling me yesterday, his wife and him, they're pregnant. They have a one-year-old. Their friend wants to get into photography, wanted to use her, uh, take some pictures of them. He's like, he, he didn't know what she, she didn't know what she was doing. She was a mess. Yeah. And he, she was doing this. She, she was doing that. And he's like, oh, she was shooting into the sun. I was like, she was trying to shoot flare. He's like, why? Because she saw it on Pinterest yeah. and wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And she's thinking, well, if I have that in my portfolio, people will hire me. No. You know what people will hire you for? If you make really good photos. Yeah. Then you'll get hired. Nobody hires you for flair. Yeah. I guarantee it. Right. And if they do, you probably don't want to work for that person. <laughs> and then who wants a Christmas card with flair? Yeah. Like, God, leave that right. to J.J. Abrams. He can screw up everything with flair. Like, I don't need flair. He does love that. Oh, God. <laughs> he loves the flair. Um, we have some uh, fan questions overall from some of our listeners. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one of our listeners says, uh, what image or type of photograph will you take that is off limits? Uh, there's nothing. Yeah. I've photographed dead bodies. I've photographed, you know, God awful stuff. Um, I did a day in a life with the uh, La Habra Fire Department, and I saw some stuff for a week um, that was rough, like rough. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, cops, EMTs, firefighters. They need to get paid like at least twenty five hundred a week. Like they need to get paid because they do and deal with some crazy stuff and crazy people. So. I've seen domestic violence, dead bodies, and it's not to brag about, but you just see it. Um, I've, I mean, I guess if you go to like, because I've got kids, if you're dealing with like child molestation or child mutilation, but I'm, I'm a firm believer, like shoot it, you don't have to show it. Like, so, mm. you know, you you don't have to show everything you shoot, right? But not to take it. That doesn't make it like better. Like, so I did a story with Dennis Rodman when he was with the Lakers. Did a day in a life. Stories never ran. Only myself, Mike Pilgrim, and I think Lauren Howe has ever seen the images. We decided, I knew halfway through this was not going to run, but I kept shooting because 
all of the laws that were being broken, the commandments, like it, 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 there's no way this could have ran in the paper without like just lawsuits. I kept shooting shot all the way through to the next day at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's never ran. It sits in a vault, like not going to be seen. Right. But I don't decide at noon or midnight. Nah, Dennis is naked the whole time. I'm not going to take any more of these pictures. Right. You got to keep shooting. Got to yeah. get through it. Mm-hmm. So I guess to answer the question, I guess you just you shoot. You shoot. And yeah. then you make the decision later not to show. Um, are there any things that you do to jumpstart your creative process when it comes to lighting? Like how do you deal with stagnation and, and portraits or anything along those so, lines? So I think I might have banged you, Robert, on this the other day. Like I'm so sick and tired of multimedia or uh, media relations groups right now. Everybody's doing posters and everybody's doing like, you know, pictures for the softball team or whatever, volleyball. Everybody's using, and I'll say this, this EA sports lighting, which is, you know, harsh lighting, two side lights, give you like this over overexposed side lights um, look. Mm-hmm. Everybody is Everywhere you doing turn. it. <laughs> it drives me nuts. I mean, oh, Rachel man, Randy Savage nuts. Just, oh. And it's like, why can't you be any more creative than that? Mm-hmm. So I don't do them at Fullerton because it's not in my contract. Like they, they, we used to do it and it was my contract and they took them out. So my contract changed. They want to do it again, but then they're like, oh, but we can only pay you $60 an hour. I was like, nope, not doing it. And they're like, what? I'm like, nope. Yeah. 60 bucks an hour is not, not even close. Mm-mm. Like, you have no idea how much that takes. And it's like per sport. And they're like, well, you'll be, they, they looked at it as, well, you'll be done in like two hours. Well, it's not taking up your whole day. I'm like, I am not providing you commercial photography for $120 before taxes and expenses. Mm-hmm. After taxes, let's say that's uh, $79. And after all the reimbursement and the gas and this, I make like eight bucks. Yeah. No, <laughs> not happening. Like those mm-hmm. are the numbers. So they hired a guy. He's an absolute hack and he did it and he did the lighting just like everybody else because he's got no creativity. Right. So where do I get mine? I never cycle the same thing. I will let things go. Oh, yes, I used to do that lighting because... It was what some clients want. If somebody hired me now, I'd be like, nope, not doing it. Mm-hmm. How about we make my, our stuff look like this? But I will never, and, and I, you keep it in your head like what you're doing. I will never keep regurgitating that same look. So um, like I have to do a portrait on Monday and I already know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm actually going to use uh, a beauty dish. Just, uh, it's going to be top over maybe a little fill but there's a look i'm going with that's very contrasty and very you know uh i guess 1860s matthew brady kind of look you know which very one harsh heavy light with this gentleman who's you know you want to do that with um but i never sit there and go i'm just gonna keep banging away on this light because this is what the clients want like mm, no 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 because i mean when we did media day at the uh angels Right, you got to bang all the players through. Robert's doing headshots, and uh, I did one setup with uh, one year was just one light, and then the next year I used like eight lights. And honestly, those photos never get used. We do that, and I never understand why those photos <laughs> never get used because marketing doesn't understand how marketing works. But I never get caught up in one, yeah, one light. No, I remember those media days were uh, long days. Long days, where, like 
waking up at like four thirty, five in the morning, rolling in and just. Then, but we've set up the day before. Exactly. Right. So we've we've shot spring training. Yeah. We've uh, we've edited. You've edited. Let's not say he's we white man. It's you, Tonto, doing all the editing, <laughs> and then you get all that done, and then uh, we would go have lunch. And then we'd get all the gear, set up two completely different setups, one for headshots and one for portraits. Yeah. Be done, go eat dinner and come back, try to get to bed as quickly as we can so we could come back and uh, 5 a.m. or whatever it was. Well, also you're you're setting up shooting spots for other yes. news outlets and other yeah. magazines and like. Do we want to go over angel responsibilities? Because that's like another six hours of podcast. Let's, I mean, that- Let's do it. Because. <laughs> I mean, I think... Because I don't think people understand what goes into it. They think it's just sexy. Yeah, I think... Well, I think people just think it's like game day stuff. Yeah. And it's just... I wish. Do you, would you have liked to have shown up at about 6.45? Oh, yeah. That, that'd be great. Right. Like, and it's game day, all the PR stuff, all the children's hospital visits, all the other weird things that go on at the stadium, and then Me- it's game time. Meetings? <laughs> People yeah. forget, like, I got stuck in, like, two, three meetings a week. Yeah. A marketing meeting, a sponsorship meeting, a, a catch-up meeting, which I never understood. I just saw you in the last meeting, why we have to catch up. We just talked, but yeah. okay. Yeah, there was always a meeting and there was something. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then, who are we giving these images to? Going up to uh-huh. Getty, social media demands, our blog that was going on. That I wish I would have like screenshotted that stuff because it's like disappeared into the never <laughs> neververse. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. I was getting in at like ten thirty eleven, right? And then lunch. We work. We, we'd work. Have some like horrible Togos or Panda Express. Well, Togos was good. Panda right. Express was good. But like sometimes we'd have to go and like what was, like, what was the pizza place we used to go to? Um, it's closed now. It's not Blaze. Um, no, something else. Remember Antoinette threw a almost knocked out a waitress there once. <laughs> <laughs> you well, you almost. Uh, I remember this waitress at this pizza spot that was across from the stadium. Would like every like thirty seconds, like you need anything else? You need anything else? Oh yes. <laughs> and then I was like, and Matt's like, if she asks one more time, like I'm gonna like flip the table. And then she came back and asked, I'm like, do it, Matt. Do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so there's lunch. Go back. Edit. Stuff out to, to you'd be you'd be editing. I yeah. go set up remotes. Yep, I'd get Josh you'd, in place. You would be editing last night's post stuff. Correct. Yep. So okay, let's just go through. Let's break it down. We get into the okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so I, I remember we're gonna go over an Angels Day schedule really yeah. quick, so people get a, an idea of what okay. what it is. Typically, it was ten thirty. Yeah. Lunch was at twelve thirty. So Correct. for the first two hours, we played catch up. Catch up. How did it do? How did it go? Exactly. We were done by normally one. We get back to the stadium. You would go back to editing. Yeah, I'd go back from. It would be archiving or captioning last night's games mm-hmm. of like the second look through that's going to go up to Getty. So right. not the Getty live stuff, right. but stuff of pretty, the other pretty stuff. Yeah, pretty stuff. Um, and then I'd get Josh settled in, our intern. He came in what three? Yeah, like two thirty, three o'clock. Okay. Um, and just kind of go over if we had anything new. Right go over his work if we had time and then now at that time i'm in the clubhouse mm-hmm. i'm shooting guys working out taking early bp something yeah and then setting up remotes correct right. and those images are starting to come in so i already right. have the folders of game ready like stuff images are going to come in and also all the folders uh 
that were using box at the time yep. to like get to social media. So it'd be like, so, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. It'd be social media, like uh, pregame live game and then like post game stuff. Right. Have all those emails sent out. And I had a wireless transmitter. So when I'm shooting, you were at two o'clock, you were getting images already from the quote unquote game day. Yes. That's what people didn't, don't understand. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, two o'clock, we were already shooting. Yeah. Get me to the game. That was the easy part. Like, we were for five hours already working before the game. Yeah. Set up remotes. God forbid if I didn't need to go to the roof and set one up there, all the other locations that we would put it up at. Go Only shoot. about three remotes. Um, two or three, uh, depending. Yeah. Depending on who's in town. Yeah, yeah. Who's in town if I had a wild hair <laughs> up my ass. Right. You know, we'd shoot all that stuff. Josh would come down five. Yeah, so... Right, because batting practice would start. And then the Angels batting practice would end first. Mm -hmm. You'd come up and get a pregame meal that hopefully wasn't horrible. Every day we ate dinner, I think it was 5.30. Yeah. 5.30, because Josh would keep shooting while I ran up. Yeah. 5.30 we'd eat. We'd be done by 6.15, the latest. Yeah. I'd run down to the field, shoot all the important pregame guys coming out. Josh would shoot up until game. Yep, he'd shoot all the pregame ceremonies, first pitch. Right. Sponsorship stuff. He would leave. Go eat. Stuff would be pouring in from you. Yeah. And then I'd start shooting the game. Yep. And then about that time, I'd crack open a Red Bull. And right. Kind of, kind of get the... Buckle in. Right. Yeah. And that's if there's nothing like a 5K before or a chalk... Chalk visit, visit, school visit, uh, so uh, sponsorship, something. Yeah. Then game ends. I'm finishing up the edit. Hopefully, we got like an awesome Gatorade bath, walk off. Something, you know, yeah. It didn't go I've 18 got, innings. <laughs> I've got a, typically I've got three to four cameras on me, mm-hmm. six or five or four, whatever, 7,200, you know, something wide. All the remotes were dumping in. Um, All that stuff would be just, be full. and then shooting the post game. Yeah. Locker rooms, coaches, discussions, all that stuff. Yep. Be done by midnight, rinse and repeat and do it again. Yeah, pretty much. I remember when the Angels were letting me go, Telling the HR woman this, Deborah, who's probably going to be fired or arrested by the DEA soon. Um, she, I remember telling her, she was asking, so well, what was your what is your schedule? I remember you guys were in, outside in the, in the office. And I told her, and she goes, that's not possible. And I said, yeah, we worked 14-hour days, 14 and a half-hour days. She goes, that, that, that's not possible. I said, yeah, that, that's our schedule. For four years, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. What, what do you... Well, and I could just see her wheels spinning, thinking <laughs> like what law, tax evasion, like all the things like, oh my God, employees should not be working that long. Yeah, employees should not be working that long. But I did because that's what it took to be the best at that time. Yeah. We could have done, I don't call anybody's names out, but roll in at 645 and shoot a game and just be done with it by, you know, 1045. Yeah. But if you do that, that you get crap. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was definitely demanding, but it was great like being on the cutting edge of it and but sometimes at like game seven of a 10 game homestand you're just like i got like three more of these okay well so let's talk about 14 right jordan goes on uh, to a wedding mm-hmm. you gotta be first time <laughs> behind the big leather chair still an intern at this still point. an intern and you get a saturday game yep right that was 20 starts at six starts at six and it was 22 I think it was like no, 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 wait. no. Was Friday eight. wasn't Friday the twenty-two, and then Saturday was an extra inning, and then know. Sunday was a day game, of course. Yeah, 
No, I think it was the Saturday. It was like 18, 19 innings. That was miserable. It was, oh, my God. Yeah, like. Right. Well, it was like, two games. Yeah, it was it was brutal. And Batteries were dying. Things were front. It was, yeah, we I had to card run because like we ran the transmission out. wasn't yeah. working. Well, we, I think the battery, I think the battery, battery pack died. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was brutal. But it was that's literally how you get thrown into the fire. But yeah. that process, you know, as I've heard these podcasts and, I, and I've known you, like you saw more images, you saw more stuff that that catapults you visually seeing those many images. Yeah what works, what doesn't, seeing somebody else's work, seeing Josh's work, seeing your work, seeing my work, and you're looking at those three, you were on Getty, so you see what other people do. We were really detail-oriented about the sales, and we were making money, so we were looking at like what photos were selling, what weren't. Um, there was a lot that goes into that, and so the, just getting to the game was the easiest part. Yeah. And Matt's kind of a, a heavy shooter. So it'd be yes. a few thousand images. Um, it is funny, though, seeing what sells on Getty because you'd think it'd be like the peak action shot. Right. Like, your portfolio shot. Yeah. Like the stuff that you want to show off people. It's like, a lot no, of stock. Stock. People yeah. at, at home plate. Bat, st- bat on shoulder. Yeah. Bat on shoulder or people standing at like first base and right. just like. That would make uniform. us that would make us hundred bucks. And then you're like, but what about that shot? Trout diving over the wall and the whole thing. Thirty cents. <laughs> yeah. Or if there was a sale. Yeah. It right. kind of breaks your heart. It's weird because it's like the artist in you is like, right. You don't understand setting up the remote on top of the roof, the amount of time it put in, right, and likelihood of it being triggered. It's like, no, nah, just bat on shoulder. Didn't matter. Yeah, that works. But that for you was great to yeah. get to see that much imagery. Yeah. all the time all the time like living it seeing like 3,000 images a day and like in a sport that's very repetitive because it's such a long season and seeing how you shoot it differently and like how you make things look differently like today i'm just gonna go out with my like 35 prime and just right make that work you know and then realizing like oh okay now i have to how can i crop and edit and make things look different and then it was weird being in like working with like your idol mentor, right? And like having me like, hey, so you kind of have to shoot this a little bit here. Or like, mm-hmm. why don't you try that? Yeah. And like, that's gr- that's a growing pain of like, yes, being the one told like, no, dude, your, your photos, like you need to do this, this, this to like, hey, we need some more photos from this side or this angle. And you're like, and I remember, oh my God, yeah. this, is, this is crazy. And I remember having that conversation with you in spring training on that drive. Like, okay, yeah. so the roles will be reversed and you're going to like have to babysit me and be the editor and tell me when things are right and wrong and there's no sensitive here. Yeah. Like this very is very much just like right. just blunt and Yeah, like, this is foxhole <laughs> time. Like yeah. there's no right. like oh, let's wind and die. No, it's like throw the grenade. Yeah. Throw the grenade. <laughs> Cuz that's what it's like. And then you do it again. And yep. you do it again. And you do it again. Yeah. And that, that's the crazy part. And but I think yeah, like because it was day in day out like the growth was so exponential. Oh god. I your your editing was good in 15 when it started. By the time you ended 15 it was spectacular. When we were in 16 there th- th- that was a the well-oiled machine. And we went through some crap to start the 16 season yeah. when they <laughs> then they were going to they were going to fire me before the season started. See your job posting on like yeah. mlb.com. Yeah, I had to reapply for the job and then yeah, that that was a nightmare and then and all of that was because of an ego that looks like it's going to bite them in the ass again. Yeah. So, but doing <laughs> yeah. that, it's like you realize how much you are alone 
out there because it's kind of like I'm just relying on Robert. I don't see these images because that was the thing people don't understand. We would shoot, they go to the FTP, and they disappear off your camera. You don't see them. Mm. So I gotta, I gotta trust that he sees all these photos. He's gonna crop them right. He's interpreting what I see. I am shooting this this way. I need Robert to see it this way, crop it or edit it this way and not go that way and then like go, <laughs> oh boy. Because in the beginning of 15, and it was like this with in 13, but with you in 15, the first couple of months, I was going to give you a ton of slack because I knew that chair is the most difficult chair. Shooting is easy. Shooting is easy. Like I've been in your chair. Like I, I had to edit one time uh, Paul and Goulding in the playoffs. And, oh, you're talking about two guys you idolize, and now you got to go at halftime and be like, Paul, like, what are you thinking? Like, that should have been a horizontal photo. So to sit there in that chair and be like, okay, um, yeah, that did not work. Let's not do that again. He, you know, he's, you know, I know you what you were trying to do, but you cropped every limb off or you're way too loose or what were you, yeah. You know, that's a difficult chair because yeah. you're, yeah, you're looking at your your quote unquote boss telling him, "Don't screw this up for us, both. <laughs> Don't screw this up." And I gotta trust you. Yeah, and that's the intimate part. I mean, like you know, I for two years I spent no more time with anybody else than you. Yeah, during those two, during those periods. Yeah, I had 14 hours a day. I had dinner with you, lunch with you more than those two months that I had with my family. Yeah, because we were having two meals together. Yeah. You know, oh, bad meals, lots of meals. <laughs> you know? Uh, it, it's kind of a transition into kind of the family aspect here. Um, are there there are obviously I would imagine moments that you've had to miss for jobs. Yeah, right. Do you now feel like you're at a place where you can transition that the opposite way, where you don't have to take the job and you can instead choose? the family time, the, the the moments that you really want. Yeah, so there were plenty of times early in my career we would have holidays in other places. Um, I tried to never miss a birthday. Uh, I did, okay, so I missed my high school, my 10-year high, high school reunion I missed, shooting a wedding. Second one, 20, I missed because I was in Omaha for the College World Series. Grant had his seventh birthday whenever it was 2000 was the Patriots first win whenever that was 2003 in Houston I remember taking I remember a one yeah so I remember yeah so I remember game was in Houston I remember Jeff Gross and I like an absolute downpour I drove to Dallas that night so I can get a red eye out because everybody wants to get out first thing in the morning so I'm driving up the freeway at four in the morning to get to the airport and fly out so his birthday the next day I'd be there. So I remember going to the school, getting in and out, and eating with him at his school bench um, to have in and out, which he thought was awesome. And then I gave him some stupid Super Bowl hat. You know, it's like yeah, you know, a gift shop Super Bowl hat. Um, but I did everything back then not to miss stuff. Yeah. Um, it's my anniversary today. Oh. Yeah. So, Congratulations. But, but yes. But like those kind of things like – you can miss if the money's right. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things like, sure. I don't think, because our birthdays are two days apart, 
And so there's been some times where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to do this. And she's like, that's fine. That check's big. Go. (laughs) Go. My birthday Mm -hmm. could be next week. Yeah. You know, or for that check, you could buy me something nice with that birthday. (laughs) But at this point in my career, no, I'm not missing anything. Like 13 becomes 20 real fast. Like we could be empty nesters in five years. All right. So it's like, I don't want to miss that stuff. So I go to everything, do everything I can. This job allows it. Like, God, I don't know how John Suhu of the Dodgers or Zagaris um, did it for as long as they do. Um, uh, that's a long time in your career, 30 years. There's a lot of things I know those guys missed and have paid for, whether it's uh, relationships or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine this would have been year seven for me. I don't know if I could have done it. Especially the way we were doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, I, Robert would probably be dead or you know, and just, you know. Shave my eyebrows off. Right. Shave your eyebrows off. But yeah, I don't miss anything now. Yeah. You want to go into some rapid fire questions? Ooh, yeah. rapid fire. Yeah. All right. My first and favorite is what is something a photographer now can get the most bang for the buck for under $300? If you took. A photographer you wanted a mentor or get or, or, or be mentored by out to dinner take them out to a decent dinner sit down for two three hours and pick their brain pick their brain right not a cup of coffee i'm gonna take you out to you know muso and franks and i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to talk to you man to man about this industry do that but I don't think it has to be a photographer. What if you took out, you know, took out an investment broker? Take mm-hmm. out somebody, you know, that can teach you something you're not, you, you just don't know. Like, so if you took, let's say if you took Goulding out, you're going to learn something in your field. But if you really want to learn something, you take somebody out in an area you need to learn and know because you know nothing about. That's where you have greater growth is learning something you're, you're completely clueless in. That's what I would do. That's the best thirty bucks, the three hundred bucks. That's a really good idea. Yeah. What's your dream gig? Is there one that you haven't really gotten? Um, I guess it's just if you would say if SI was still around, but it's not. Um, after the Angels, there were a couple of opportunities. There was a Netflix opportunity that I turned down. There was. Um, an opportunity at the University of Louisville that just didn't, everybody was fine moving to Kentucky, but they just wouldn't pay enough. So it's like one of those things like you have to pay me X amount for me to leave the state because I can never afford to come back. The one job in the last couple of years I wish I would have had was at the City of Hope. Um, they had an opening there. Um, and I thought, man, if I can be a photographer at a place, I remember telling the person during the interview, I said, listen, I've shot Super Bowls and World Series and presidential campaigns and all this stuff. But if I can be at a place where I can make a difference in someone's life, whether it's helping in research cancer, you know, and the photo I shoot gets a donor to give an extra hundred grand. Great. That was the one job I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have gotten that job came down to two of us and I don't know who got it, but I was like, that would have been a good job. But I don't have a job right now that I go, oh, I really, really need because maybe if you gave um, me X amount of money so I can quit my job mm-hmm. and then Phil and I can work on our writing, you know? Yeah. Maybe. 
Okay. Yeah. What about a a gig or anything that you would maybe want to take a mulligan on if there was a an assignment that you kind of look upon as somewhat regretfully? The 2004 College World Series in which I nailed it. I got every photo I would possibly want. I, I got Windsor with his arms up after they won. He won a complete game, uh, one hitter or two hitter or something like that. Um, I got them dousing coach with Gatorade while Joe Turgeon's kissing him on the lips. I got, you know, all the dog pile, all that stuff. But I set up a remote shot for the overall. It's going to have the whole stadium. It's going to have the behind home plate. It says 2004 College World Series. Set up the remote shot. It's perfect. It's all dialed in. Exposure is right. President's wife or name nameless, came up to the uh, radio booth where I had a remote camera. I had a uh, magic arm holding the camera, and she proceeded to put her camera, or I'm sorry, put her purse on my camera. Oh, boy. And I then, when the celebration happened and my remote fired, I got a photo of the sky. Yeah. I got a little bit of a light tower, (laughs) <laughs> but it's mostly yeah. Midwest sky. Yeah. And I wanted that photo mm-hmm. of them celebrating, dogpiling, and seeing the logo, which brands it forever. Yep. That photo, like the Windsor one is ran a million times. It's all over the place, all over campus. But because of the way it's shot, I was outside first, they all ran out, and you don't know what year. You do. You know, if you're a historical buff, you know. But having 2004, yeah, boom, right. You know that's the champion of that year. She or her purse screwed me. Yeah, screwed me good. And I actually brought it up with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I because I'm that guy. I was like, excuse me. I heard on the flight home <laughs> you put your purse. On my camera, she goes, I have no recollection of that. I'm like, well, would you like to see the photos of the sky? Like, what are you thinking, woman? You shouldn't even be in the booth. What are you doing here? You screwed up a shot. I, I just went off. And it was kind of one of those ones where they like pulled me back. Like, hold on. You, you don't. Not at 35,000 feet. You know? <laughs> Start wrestling a 60-year-old woman. <laughs> Oh, that irritated me. That's still now you got my blood pressure. Heartbeat going. To drive out to her house and throw rocks at her. Um, would you rather only be able to shoot with your cell phone or film? Oh, film, film. Uh, a cell phone is sketching. A cell phone is not not a, is not a camera. So you could sketch. I could sketch a picture of you. That that's a cell phone. By paint. A photo of you. Now I've used either a high-end digital camera or a film camera. So I look at it as a phone sketching. You, you sketch with it. You just pick it up, draw a little army men, and little stick figures, whatever. But if you're going to take a picture as a professional, you have professional tools. Now, you can always say the best camera on you is the camera you have. Yes. But if I'm being hired to do a job, I'm not going to bring a sketch pad to shoot the Super Bowl. And I, I, I see all these things on the sidelines now. For every sporting event, people running around shooting vertical videos with their freaking phone. Hey, vertical videos should be the death of me. And then, you know, because 
that that's horrible, but you should not be using phones like phones. No, you, you use professional tools. They're not throwing a Nerf football around at the game. They're using a pigskin. So why are you using a phone? Yeah. If you could pick one person's brain uh, that maybe you don't have access to, either they passed away, a different era, or just somebody totally out of reach at this point, who would you want to talk to? Chuck Yeager. That dude's awesome. Yeah. I follow him on Twitter. He's worth it. He's <laughs> awesome. Salty. But... Um, I guess I was told I met him as a kid, but I obviously was just a moron enough to not realize until like later they're like, that's the guy from the right stuff. Um, yeah, that guy. Like guys who did stuff. Like everybody's probably thinking you want, want me to say like, oh, it's Lanham's or, you know, some famous photographer. Like I've met all of my modern, right? I've worked with Neil and Walter and Heinz. Heinz, who I think is brilliant, doesn't get enough. Uh, I never met Zimmerman, but I know of their work. But it's guys that do things. And it could be a gal. Like I'm reading a, my, a book I'm reading right now is on, um, oh, what the hell's her name? Um, I'm just going to start. I just picked it up today. on um, Oh, Hi, uh, Hedley Lamar, right? Mm-hmm. She's an inventor of basically Bluetooth. And uh, um, she was an actress. She's one of the most gorgeous yeah. women ever walk on the planet, right? So I'm probably start that today when I get in the studio biography she wrote in the 60s on her I look at someone like Jaeger and go man you were doing something when people were like you should not be getting into that rocket ship and he did it and then all throughout his career he just kept doing stuff that like normal modern people just go you gonna do what you're gonna get in that spaceship that rocket ship and go how high, how far, how fast. Like those were pioneers to me. Those were guys that were like, like Lewis and Clark. Like you look at those guys and you're like, really? You have no idea what's down the street. Like for instance, how many of you would even just take a trip right now across the United States without using GPS drive, (laughs) get on the freeway and drive. You'd be a mess. Yeah. Right. Now, how about you and a couple of your Indian friends get together and just go west? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. how far? Who just, knows? Just keep on going. <laughs> and on the way, write down everything you see, draw me pictures and maps and sketch. And right. God forbid you make it like 100 feet because you might die from God knows what's <laughs> out there. Like, those are the kind of guys you're like, I'd love to take him out for dinner. 300 bucks, take Lewis and Clark and yeah. sit down with those two guys. Like, those are the guys that, like, I've had that question asked. Like, I look and go, man, those guys did stuff. Yeah. Like, photographers make pretty pictures, but I want to sit around with people and be like, yes, tell me what you were thinking when you went and got into that X1 and your ribs were broken from, you know, the night before. And now you got to go fly. And hopefully the other five guys before you who died in the rocket ship don't come into your mind when you're, you know, wearing a leather helmet and they drop you out of this, you know, airplane and you got to hit the igniting button. Ooh. <laughs> Okay. Spinning off of that, uh, dead or alive, famous person, celebrity, politician that you'd like to get a portrait of or a group photo of? Ooh. Um, well, there's not many people alive. I've got a lot of good ones alive. Dead. Dead are the good ones. Like, And then you want to get the ones that are like, the access was like extremely difficult to. Right, so like you got paintings of people, like, I mean, I guess if you could do a portrait of Jesus, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> um, you know, 
How would you light it? <laughs> I'd let him do that. <laughs> right. right. I mean, like, um, you know, so I guess if you're going to like, you know, uh, there's still those Gandhi's been photographed a lot. You'd go far before the camera. Yeah. Like, you know, where you're like, uh, well, okay. Just because you got to go like, I don't, I, I, I always go like, I guess to the dark side. Like I would have, if I was Luke, I would have totally switched. So, <laughs> Um, I'd be like, yeah, I hang out with my dad and he's got this cool spaceship. And, <laughs> um, like, I don't know, like, like Mussolini or, or like people, you know, Hitler, like you look at those going like, oh, wouldn't you want to shoot him? Yeah, but wouldn't you want a cool portrait first? Yeah, <laughs> like, like Genghis Khan or right, something. Right, Genghis Kong like, or, yeah. right, <laughs> or. Uh, really fascinating. Right, or people who just couldn't have been photographed, like uh, any of the uh, uh, Japanese emperors, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you just, you, right. I don't even, you couldn't even look at them, yeah. right? Like, oh, they do a picture of one of them. Um, something like that. Cause everything else is just kind of like, yeah, what about one of, uh, you know, you name that person, like George Clooney. I've been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't, you know, something, something difficult that you gotta like really, uh, oh, any of the random presidents prior to the film camera, right? Like, any of the Adams. Jefferson, like you have paintings of them, but you always hope that the artist rendering is close to Jefferson. Like, what if he had cheekbones and all the pictures on me doesn't? And it's like, like man, that doesn't look like me. Like, well, we just assume that's what Jefferson looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, can you take a little off? And hide the, you know, hide the, how many times has someone said to you to use the don't show the double chin? You think yeah. they did that when they were doing presidential portraits back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Aren't you the guy that got stuck in the bathtub? You, there's no way you don't have a double chin. <laughs> um, what's one thing that you wish you were better at? Uh, patience. And I think I've gotten a lot better with the last two kids, but patience because <laughs> I have, and it's I, it's the competitiveness, and I just assume everybody should be having the same energy as me. My wife is really good at like pulling back the reins now, being like, "Okay, hold on." Well, you even said it yourself that you're a demanding person, right? Extremely. So being demanding and having patience sometimes just don't really that, mesh very no, well. No, it's yin and yang. <laughs> it is absolutely yin and yang. Um, and I would think, yeah, being more patient and just, but I also think, and this goes to the Yang, like, I wish more people were more competitive or, or more, more willing to put themselves out there and be mm. better. There's so many people that are like, I'm brilliant. You know, you're not. It's because yeah. your mom's telling you you're brilliant, but your stuff's garbage. Be better. Put in yeah. the work. Right. Put in work. Like, I, I'm sure when Robert was with the Angels, everybody would tell him, like, I'd love to have your job and hang out with you at the baseball game. But it's like, oh, you want to? Put in the work. Right. Put in the work. I, I had a brother-in-law, brother-in-law number two, who's no longer our brother-in-law, um, always would go, like, I'd love to go to the Angel or the Laker game with you. Okay. And you would think I'd show up at 6.30 for a 7 o'clock game. I'm like, no, oh, man, I'm there like noon. Noon? Yeah. I got to hang up remotes, put in this and do that. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, that's how you go to Laker games. Yeah. Noon. <laughs> what, um... Just thinking of like the all the athletes that you shot, what athlete do you think was the most photogenic or the or delivered you like the best pictures, whether it be body language or moments or Shaquille. 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 Yeah. Um a lot of it was obviously I have a I now have a relationship with him, but he I always said if God forbid something happened to my wife and I, I'd leave my kids with him. Because the only bad thing is they'd eat a lot of ice cream and drive go-karts fast. But that is a child and a man's body. Yeah. He is sweet. He's funny. 
Um, like he's doing all kinds of silly commercials. Like I just saw one the other day. He's doing one of the general, some cartoon selling insurance, and then he's got icy hot and all this stuff. And yeah, like that guy for sure. Like I, yeah. I think I've done like a dozen portraits with him, and he's never let me down. You know the um, one of the ones that I I love in your portfolio is actually not even Shaq. It's Nick Van Exel. Yeah, I love that portrait that you made. Yeah. What was the? Do you remember how that was made? Yeah. Yeah. So we're at. Uh, East, no, we're at uh, Southwest College, and it's Laker Media. This tells you how things have changed. Mm. Laker, Laker Media Day was at a junior college, and the only people that, but even like, so I had known Laker Laker or Media Days were important because I had assisted like McDonough or Andy Haight at some, and so when I had the got the uh, Laker or the the uh, register job i was like hey can i do laker media day and they're like i eh, really don't do it i'm like well, why not we can make all these portraits of guys and they're like no we can't i'm like yeah we can nobody had done it so they didn't know what they didn't know and so we go i get there early and i set up all these lights and seams and all this stuff and andy hates there for the nba shooting one i don't think bernstein was there because i think he was at the clipper one because they were so stupid back then they would do laker clipper at the same time mm. and so andy would have to flip back and forth or he was somewhere else like and now it's like a big production and there's a DJ and ESPN's doing it live and they're you know bringing in fashion it's like ridiculous now like I see they were doing like 3D renderings of people and so there's a shaft of light in the gym and uh, I'm waiting to get a picture of uh, a couple of guys and I see Van Exel and I say hey Nick can I get a get a portrait of you and he's terrified <laughs> and, I, and I yeah yeah sure I said just sit down right here. His chair's like in the middle of the room. And I, he sits down. I said, okay, I need to slide back just. And I get him right into the shaft of light. And I said, Nick, I just need you to stare right at me and show confidence. And he was all. <laughs> and he's got this like growth or something with his lip. Sure. He's always had. And uh, and he was all worried about it. And I said, Nick, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And literally that is a shaft of sunlight that I exposed and shot. And everything else went went totally black yeah the guy i was trying to get was eldon campbell who was absolutely terrified of media day and he wouldn't come out oh wow he was on my shot list that i needed he wouldn't come out yeah well i like, like the the concept of just on a media day because now i feel like we just get this you can't do it now no it's like it, it's like a step and repeat everybody's got to have the same picture yeah. on this seamless doing something um right. but that just stood out to me as unique and just a really beautiful picture yeah so I mean, I, I was doing some, I was doing some weird stuff because I could, and so I was coming back. I did it for like two, three years. I was coming back with all these portraits, and they were just like, "What the hell are we gonna do with this?" Because they didn't do a lot of player profiles stories okay. back then. Yeah. So we had all these portraits of guys, and then they would just be like, "Let's use them. Let's come up with a reason to use them." And so it just kind of blossomed, and then I was just became the Laker guy because it was kind of good that. The staff at the time was having kids, so guys didn't want them. The Lakers weren't that good. Magic had retired right. finally. Yep. So this is like six, uh, 96, 7, 8. Yeah, they, I remember those years. Right. They weren't good. And they were kind of getting good. Kobe's still a rookie. Shaq's on the team. And so I shot 38 out of the 42 games on lights. I had it all dialed in. Kenny Steinhardt was the lab tech. I would shoot on a, I'd shoot the game on film, on a Hasselblad, remote cameras, all on lights, everything I had. He would come down the tunnel, drive his motorcycle down the tunnel at the forum. I'd give him film, and he would drive it back for me, and I'd shoot the rest of the game. Wow. Yeah. I'd be like, 
yes, Kenny. times have changed, man. Yes, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> a, well, there's a difference. Uh, you don't see a Hasselblad photo anymore. Like, I, I would give a finger off my hand to watch McDonough shoot a basketball game with a, with a Hasselblad. McDonough, McDonough is regarded as probably one of the greatest basketball photographers of our time. And you can't tell that now because his look looks like everybody else's. He's shooting with the same 24 to 70 or 7200. Now, he might see something a little different or he might be able to get the timing a little right. But assisting McDonough and watching him work without Hasselblad was like watching, you know, Mozart put together something. He could he could rack focus out to the three-point line and then rack back to under the basket. Not just under the basket, but on the guy he wanted to focus. Mm on a Hasselblad, a manually focused Hasselblad, while firing, racking it, changing the film, and shooting it again. All, you know, and it was just stunning watching him work. Uh, times I got to assist him with him in those early years was was truly special because he was a master. So we had a Hasselblad at the register, and I started using it, and they're like, what the hell are you taking up the Laker game for? I'm like, it's... Because I can. I got it. And then I, I started getting work, and I remember I getting Andy Haight in... Uh, Vancouver, when Vancouver used to have a, a basketball team in a hotel room, I said, Andy, I need you to teach me how to manually focus. Like, I can manually focus it, but I need you to show me how to manually focus it in a basketball game. And he sat there over a beer and chicken wings and he, he taught me how to. We went to a ballroom. In the ballroom, we marked it off. He's like, okay, this is the foul line, this is the baseline, this is the three-point line, this is what I want you to do. And he showed me. He didn't have to, but he did. And for the next, like, Eight to ten years, I, I shot Hasselblad, and it looks different. Mm. The depth of field's different. The yeah. lighting's different. What you get, that square, you get more people in. I mean, McDonough was a surgeon with that thing. I used to watch him shoot down court with with that thing. With a, you'd get a, a five hundred, make it it's a convert to a six or a three hundred, and you'd shoot with it. Jeez. Yeah, like and on lights, like not that you would shoot that on available, but yeah. Man, you watch that giant mirror flap up and down in front of you. I mean, that thing's like, you know, being hit by a buffalo in your windshield. It's massive in the way it blocks out everything. Is there a a picture that you wish you took? Um, no, because I guess I've been stupid enough to take them all and not regret it. Like I just, like I have one in my office of Ricky Romero. We lose in, in Fullerton. We lose in 06. or we lose in 05. Sorry, we're losing 05 to Arizona State. We went 06. And uh, he was gonna, he was a first-round pick, I think seventh overall. He's going to make millions. Cute little kid from East L.A. Loved him. Um, he wins on Friday. We lose the next two games to Arizona State, Super Regionals. And I know he's going to do something. Like, you just know. right? I'm around these guys all the time, and I know. I drop everything I have. I just have my wide angle. He walks out to the pitcher's mound. And for a split second, he just swipes his hand across the rubber. That's all he did. And I composed it right. I shot it right. And I've got that photo. Vinny Pistano, another dear friend of mine, is out in the outfield crying against the outfield wall fence. And all you see is Arizona State hats all sprawled all across. After they're celebrating, they've moved out of frame. And I've got that photo. That some people were like, I can't believe you took that photo. Ran A1 in the register. I got a bunch of like, what an asshole kind of photo to take. And I said, it worked because it made 
you think. It struck a chord in you. Good or bad, yeah. struck a chord in you. And I would be a bigger asshole if I didn't take it because that is a moment. Historically, you can't always take the winning photos. You don't always go home with the winner. Like, you've got to show losing. That's historical reference of the athletic department for the school. And I actually had him sign it. And he was like, I can't believe you're going to have me sign this. I said, Ricky, it's one of my top 10 favorite photos yeah. of all time. It's not always about winning. He goes, well, what about when I won and on Saturday in Omaha the year prior? I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this one's better. Yeah. Like this one, this one makes people look and look in and you see Vinny, you see all the hats and you know what that meant. They celebrated and, and there you are. And it just, I only got two frames off. Mm. I just, he stood up, walked out of the frame. Wow. That was it. But I don't know if I've got one that I go like, Oh, I missed it because I mean, yeah, you have the the ref butt or the autofocus or something completely fails you, but those are like out of your control. I don't think there's one that I just haven't taken because either I was worried of what people would think or, you know, the ramifications afterwards. I've just been either dumb early in my career and wise enough in the later part of my career to be like, yeah, you pull the trigger. Well, I think what I was meant, which was, I was, I was loved your answer anyways, but uh, what I actually meant was, is there a photograph that was taken by somebody else that oh, you wish somebody else. were yours? Oh, Christ, do we have that long? <laughs> <laughs> now we can get into it. Uh, um, I mean, well, there's some obscure ones that people don't even know about because, so going to SI... I would always ask like, hey, can I see, can I see, can I take a look at? So, um, shoot, it was the year the Niners went to the Super Bowl against the Ravens and lost. John Beaver is in the, covering that game. I think it might have been the last year there was a staff. He's covering that game up in San Francisco. Total downpour. Um, I did not have to cover that game. I know Robert, uh, Bert was there. I remember texting him like, stay dry. And I'm pouring. And... Beaver, who I've known for a while, who I think is underrated. If you can be a SI staffer, he's probably underrated because that guy, A, he's a wonderful human being, is an unbelievable photographer. Um, I got to remember something. I'll bring it back. So he's pouring rain. He decides, I'm only shooting my 400 and a 50 around my neck. Wow. And he cleans up. He destroys everybody. Everybody's fumbling around with their, you know, bags over their camera, trying to shoot with their 24 or 70 or their 7200, and they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. So I'm back in New York, um, and the Angels are in town. I'm back in New York. I go in and I see, and I ask, hey, can I see um, Beaver's take from that game? I pull it up on the server. I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, you are a wizard. <laughs> You're a wizard. You made that 400 look like an eight. He made that 50 look like a 20. Like he just, in that game, yeah. was on fire. Wow. Like he was in the zone. Another time, and I mentioned this in the workshop, so hot shot me and Mike Goulding, hot shot number one, go to cover this San Diego State-USC football game. I think it was 97-98. We're at the top of our game. We're cleaning up. We know we're going to destroy the times. And that was competitive, right? Because you, you, you had to beat them. We go to the SC football game. Him and I walk in. We're going to own this place. And we're shooting film. Yeah, bad boys. We get in there. We're looking at Robert Beck. And we're like, what is this goofball shooting with a 16 millimeter and a 300 to 8? Like, 
what are you going to get? Man, I'm looking at a six and a four, and Mike's got a this and a that. And we're like, yeah, and we look laughing at him like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, he's going to kick his butt. We go back. We made our pictures. We're like, yeah, yeah, woo woo. Because he's with us. You don't see his stuff till Wednesday. I get a call from Mike as if Susan died. You got to call me back. You got to call me back right away. Just Have you seen the magazine? You got to call me back right away. I call him back. I'm looking at the magazine. I'm looking at the magazine too. Oh, Mike, we screwed up bad. We screwed up so bad. Beck has a wide angle, back of the end zone. So the, uh, the San Diego State guy was literally at the back of the end zone. Like his feet were inches off of the line. Blocked punt right in front of Beck with a 16. Mm. So... Literally, you could smell them, like body parts flying everywhere. And he just kind of took it and leaned forward. And every part of the frame has bodies. It's beautiful. Yeah. Not just that. Then to shove it some more, <laughs> he shot the guys on the bench. That's the quintessential bench shot. But the misters are all blowing. And he shot it rimlet, just uh. exposed the highlights. But even better than that. There's one guy who's fanning them with the mister. Oh, wow. So you've got gold, light, black. There's only like two colors. It's gold, black, white. So you got these rimlet of five guys. They're all the linemen who destroyed SC or destroyed San Diego State. So that's kind of led in the story. The rimlet and then a guy with a mister fanning them. So you got this just look of surreal. Just disgusting. layered with. Yeah, yeah. And he shot that with the three. Mm. So Mike and I have never made fun of Robert Beck <laughs> since then. <laughs> so those were two right yeah, there. Oh, that's great. Um, but 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 I just seeing some of those guys, some of the you know their work, um, the catch, Walter's catch. I mean, I talk. Oh 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 oh. Uh, Zagaris, mm-hmm. Zagaris's photo of Bill Walsh and Joe Montana on the field, coming up with the play for the catch. Oh my goodness! So that yeah. one, yeah, I've tried to replicate in some kind of fashion like that. That one's gold. I think that's even Walter might say, I might want that one over the catch. And the catch is great. It it's, it says it. Michael is on the other side of the field. But that, two geniuses sitting there picking grass. Yeah. Even without the context of knowing what the play was going to be, it was still a strong photograph. Yeah. Yes, because you got you got two guys. Like you, want, you look at it and you go, why are they not with anybody else? Bill doesn't have a headset on. Joe's not talking to any other coordinator. He's talking to the head coach, which is rare, right? Like Brady talks to to Daniels. He doesn't always talk to Bill. And then why is Michael that far onto the field shooting back with the sidelines now, the near sidelines, the background? Like, And then you see the players off to the far right, and you're like, they're looking at the two geniuses going, just give us something good. Yeah. And you just look at that and go, that 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 was a special one. That's really special. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, there's some other like, any maybe some of the stuff from September 11th, you know, or, or Pearl Harbor, uh, any of this, the World War One, yeah. Two stuff that you just look at that and go, man, I don't know if I had those balls to, to mm-hmm. hang my butt off the side of a boat, jump into a boat with the guys, storm the beach of Normandy, and all I've got is a camera. Anybody got a nine millimeter I can borrow? Like, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Those guys were crazy special, I guess. Special, but in a crazy way. 
What's the uh, best piece of, of advice that you ever got? It can uh, be personal, professional, whatever. Uh, don't stop learning. Don't stop learning. Like just the moment you stop learning anything, you're done. You're done. And I actually came from my grandfather, um, who was funny when he re- he retired and they moved down here, or in the holidays when he was around, he would come with me on my assignments, hang out with me. And so I remember I took him down to San Diego. I had an assignment for SI. I'm all excited. And uh, we go down to San Diego to Murphy. And um, he's with me the whole way down. He's like, so like, what are you, what are we looking for? What do you, what's your, what's your old plan? I'm shooting Bobby Abreu. He's on fire and they need a story on him and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm kind of telling him my game plan. And I'm all pumped on it. And he goes, well, what if he's not playing today? And then it never <laughs> crossed my mind. It's baseball. Like what if he gets <laughs> scratched from the lineup? Sure. So now I'm just thinking, oh God, <laughs> what if a Brady's not playing? So then it's like, like self doubts like creep into your head. Like God, I hope he's in the lineup, man. He's got to, you've got to play. He's got to play. He doesn't play. Porter Binks is gonna kill me, and I'm not gonna get any work, and I'm never gonna see that side. Thank God he was in the lineup. But was like, <laughs> Ooh, man, jeez, that was, that was that was frightening. But he came with me to that and some golf, and he used to tag along with me all the time. But he gave me that advice, like just don't stop learning, like just keep anything and like like i i pick up all kinds of stuff to try to just keep the mind sharp and expand and think outside the box i'm i've been fiddling for years trying to learn how to play the harmonica like right i'm like doing screenwriting you know if you really want to you really want to expose yourself do stand up like that really if you think you're funny and then you don't you know you know you gotta stand up and do it like that's hard um Writing with Phil's uh, easy but hard because you're trying to write movies. Working with Greenlee was always fun, but we always pushed ourselves extremely hard on stuff. So just keep learning. The moment you stop, done. So I got to ask, what what is going on with the stand-up? Like, have you always done that? Is that a recent thing? Is it just to get you out of your comfort zone? Like what? Yes. Uh, well, I've always been the funny, funny, ha-ha guy because in our family you had to stand out because – my mom's funny. My grandfather's funny. My uncle's pretty funny. My uncle's damn funny. And so just being around funny. Like my dad was not funny. My dad was like businessman. And he was like, you know, I would I could get him to laugh, but he would never like crack jokes. Mom, on the other hand, which you wouldn't think my mom, but my mom, like, when we call, I call her like almost every day. And we just, we riff. Like we go off and just on stuff. And you're like, this is my mom. And we're like talking like, Horrible, rotten jokes. Like, this is great. Like, um, there was one of the Democratic debates, and, like, I was doing Bernie Sanders, and she was doing, uh, I forget the woman, the one with the deep voice who's, like, into gems and whatever. She was, like, uh, Oprah's, like, guru. She's doing that deep voice, and we're just, like, you know, laughing at each other for, like, 20 minutes. Um, so I did it, er- like, as a dare, in the 90s, we were like at some place and there was like open mic. My buddy uh, Kelly's like, I bet you won't go up there and do a do an open mic. I'm like, sure I will. Signed up. Then my name getting closer, like getting heat sweats. You're just dying. You're like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say, man. So I just went up there and just said some like, uh, I'd always listened to um, comedians, but I always loved Bill Cosby. I love, he's a master storyteller like he could tell an unbelievable story so i just got up there that first time and just told some childhood stories of like my brothers and i and like jimmy crow who was my best friend then like how we always were um 
we were superheroes. So like my brother Adam used to want to be uh, like a sun boy or aluminum boy. And one time he wrapped himself up in aluminum foil, which is sounds great until you realize you're like 10 in the sun wrapped in <laughs> aluminum foil. And like he passed out and we didn't know why he was cooking. Like he was like kind of <laughs> slow eating. Like I'm shingle boy. And I would, was going over to Tom and Mary Hale's house under their garage and tearing the shingles off. And I was throwing them at aluminum boy. And aluminum boy is like all energy and he's like deflecting them. And then aluminum boy, you know, his button popped like a turkey and he <laughs> hit the ground in the alley. So I, I talked about some stuff like that and it was like funny and I got a couple of laughs, but I was literally sweating through my socks. <laughs> so the reason stuff just the riding with Phil and doing Coach Ted he's like you gotta do it you gotta do it he's done it he's like you gotta do it you're, you're funny you're funny you gotta do it you gotta do it and so I'm like oh okay I'll try it I'll go like really try it and so um, being at this place at work like I got now a bunch of millennial jokes like if Jesus came back and he was a millennial like how would the last supper be like it's like a <laughs> vegan meal I go like, oh no, we're more beats, huh? We can't have meat this time. Like, it's all dull, and you know who's paying the bill? And, you know, everybody's got to chip in on Vimo, and no one wants, you know, no one's got cash. You know, millennials don't have cash, and mm-hmm. you know, what kind of bread is it? You know, I you know, I'm gluten free because you know I broke out, my joints got sore last time. Shut up, Judas. All right, whatever. <laughs> you know, so it's like a whole thing like that, and then. Um, what was the other one? Oh, the Rubik's Cube. Women, women's bodies are like a Rubik's Cube. I was, I've been working on that one. Uh, <laughs> I have to save that for another yeah, podcast. Yeah, that was, that's good. That, that got some laughs, oddly enough, from all the women. Really? Yeah. So all the guys were like, oh, man, I guess I'm a one-sided Rubik's Cube kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me this. All right. How much fun are you guys having? Within regards to this, this podcast? This, this podcast. This is great. I yeah. think it, it it really is. Because like, it comes through. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank yeah. you for uh, for letting us know. It does come through that you guys are having a good time. It's not like you guys are sitting through the meat grinder and your you know if, wives are like, can you cut this hobby shit off? Right. <laughs> if, it, if it were, we would have stopped long ago. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be hitting episode 100 before you know it. You right. know, like it's like, and I think that's the whole thing when you started earlier about saying we just went and did it. You know, a lot of people were like, well, you know, I would do it, but I wish I had like a year's experience. I wish I had mm-hmm. two years doing this. And it's like, well, we're coming up on that. Right. We've already done, we've already done it for an entire year. So yeah. um, it's been a blast. And then our excuse to talk to people. Yeah. And creatives and help other creatives is the whole impetus behind this. If anything, if this podcast can be anything and just get people to talk, because that yeah. is such a lacking skill, yeah. talking to your client, talking to your subject, talking to your editors, talking to with the people you work, that is unbelievable, a, a skill that if you have, you can get work. If you don't have, you are going to flounder. Right. Um, you know, we got, I Tavik, one of our lines, women's clothing line. Right, so I shoot. We do summer, spring, what's called holiday fashion lines. We get models. We get very high end models, very well known models, and we do them. And so we had a intern over the summer, and she came along on the photo shoot with us. And I said, I want you to come in when I talk to the model. I want you just to shut up, listen, see what I do, because this is going to be the most important thing from this whole day, right? So I got a model. It's, I don't know, seven in the morning. I walk in. I have not met this model. Her name is Mary. She's from Croatia. Sit down, introduce myself, small chit chat. How you been? What are you doing? What are you working on? I'm with, you know, da da da. This is what I've done. And I said to her, I said, Mary, so 
tell me, what do you like? Do you like a lot of communication? Do you want me to show you some mood boards before we start? Do you want me to give you a lot of direction before? Do you want a lot of direction during? Do you like feedback? Do you want to look at the camera at all? Because I'll be honest with you, Mary, I'll give you one or two, but I'm not going to let you stare all day long because most high-end models aren't going to be staring at the camera. But some of them might just want to just know. And so she, yeah, that's how we talked. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm really good. She's like, you show me some mood boards and I'm going to give you exactly what I believe you want. And if you think you need something else, you just tell me. But I don't need any direction. Like I know my body and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, body, you know your body, which is 90% of what models need, confidence, but they need to know their body. And that's what you're going to do. So we, we talked for like 20 minutes. She's getting hair and makeup on. Everything, we walk out and the intern's like, I would never have thought to ask that. I would just assume she was a model and new. I said, well, one, yes, she should. But B, it's seven in the morning. Strange guy's going to be photographing with a strange crew. She's half naked. She's going to be wearing bikinis. Like all I'm doing within 20 minutes trying to build a rapport, explain to her that I'm not going to be doing anything stupid um, and, and just get her comfortable. Like you can be the most confident person, but, those are very vulnerable moments when you got people poking at Absolutely. you and pulling on your, you know, yeah. bikini and you know everybody's yelling. You know, it's it's this thing where you have to look at everybody's parts. I got to make sure everything's put in. Like I, we have a girl Jennifer, and I tell her, I said, all I need you to do is look at all her lady parts and make sure everything's where they need to be. Because I'd rather you tell her than me sure. tell her. Yep. Like, can you pick it out? Can you make this? Can you adjust your nipples? Like, it's weird stuff, but it happens on a set. And you need to be aware of that. So that's the stuff like, and she's like, oh, that's great. Oh, like, yeah. Do that with every one of your subjects. Whether it's a family photo, if his collar's incorrect, don't be afraid to say, oh, can I straighten out your collar, fix your tie for a CEO? I can't tell how many times I've walked up to men, grown men who can tie ties forever and walk up and go, I need to straighten out your tie. Mm -hmm. Whatever you just did the last 30 seconds, it's now the knots off Mm -hmm. or have you ever tied a tie kid? You straighten <laughs> up their nine and they do coaches, uh, CEOs, whatever. So communication is huge. Yeah. So if people can take that away from two guys talking about, you know, interesting things and bringing in guests and talking. That's good. Cause communication is sorely lacking. It's all emojis and yeah. abbreviated text messages. And I like, think that's my biggest concern about, and I hate being the person that says, well, this young generation of anything like it's, but right. if there is a concern that I have, I mean, there's many concerns, but one would be the seemingly like passive aggressive nature that the culture can create now. Mm-hmm. Instead of people talking, they just, they, they write, they write some sort of tweet or they write something and then they just run away. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you got to, you know, don't send a cryptic email that comes off the wrong way. Just, you know, start talking to people. Yeah. And I think it really helps out. Yeah. I think that was part of the reason why, like, I wanted to do that. Because, you know me, like, I'm pretty quiet. Oh, like, you're a wild man. Yeah. So, wild <laughs> man. You know, so it's like, all right, I got to get, like, like used to hearing my voice and talking to people. Because I remember, I don't know, one of the times I was working with you and I was, like, 18, 19, and I was just like, how do you get people to be so comfortable? And he's like... Well, you're too young. You have no life experience. Like you can't. <laughs> yeah. re- you can't relate. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like, damn, like, okay, like, I just gotta ha- be in the game longer. But it's true because then you yes. learn how people react in certain situations and just how to be comfortable. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. What do you and an 85 year old woman, mother of you know six from Iowa, have in common? Like, yeah. so what do you talk about? What do you get her yeah. settled in? Yeah. And that's you only get that from repetitive life experience and doing things over and over again. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it sounds like a real blunt and a-hole thing to say, but it's dead true. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are you going to talk to her about? How are you going to make her comfortable? How are you going to get into the house to do the portrait? Mm-hmm. She's going to be like, I don't know you. Get out of here. And I, I mean, I would, Greenlee says this all the time. He's going to laugh when he hears this damn podcast. He's like, you're really good with old people. Because when we were doing our documentary on Omaha, everybody we were looking for were people that had been around when the building was built. And so... We did one on the, the keyboardist who was in his 80s, this woman, Dorothy, that was in her 80s. Everybody was like in their 80s. And he's like, you're so good with them. Like, how are you doing that? Well, I said, one, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Like, I, and I love them to death. And so that helps. But two is just shut up and listen. Yeah. Just shut up and listen. It, that, boy, you can learn a lot, you know? And so it's just been a, it's been a key. Yeah. I mean, if you can just listen to somebody's story before you even start taking a portrait, you're going to make a better portrait. You, you set them in the mood. You got to be a therapist. You know, you got to pull things out. I mean, I was telling someone this the other day, pretty much within two, three minutes, I can make someone cry or laugh. If I need you to cry, right? <laughs> like in a, if I'm yeah. doing a story about how you lost your mother right. to it, and in the story, I need to set the tone that in the mood of you being upset about it, I don't need you all jolly and happy in the way your body positions, your shoulders. I need to I need to get you there. And if I need you to laugh, I need you to be joyous and you've had a crappy day and bosses hammered you on stuff and I need you to be fun and you know, look like you're having a fun time, I gotta be able to get you there too. And a lot of that comes from just experience and and like our drives out to spring training for five hours when I talk for five hours and you've didn't say much because <laughs> shut know. up and listen, man. Well, it was shut up and listen, but you weren't outgoing. I like to say not your mold. You weren't a oh, I'll I'll out talk you too for the next ten hours. Like yeah. that was not you. But you, Robert, fifteen to Robert, end of sixteen was like a totally different person. Yeah, an absolutely totally different person. Maybe it was just from listening to me and your ears are bleeding. <laughs> but that is an experience of just listening to people and getting that knowledge and feeding off it. I mean. When you guys work with subjects, mm-hmm. do you go there? What do you do? How much better are you working on a on a portrait now than you were when you first started? A lot better. Yeah. I, I mean, and nowhere near the level that I want to be. Sure. But absolutely. from the. But you know what to get there. Do you know how to get there? To get to... A better, a better Michael Durr portrait? I believe I have a path. And it's just consistently working on it. And then also challenging myself to do more right. because it's to go on what we were talking about, about experience. I actually believe that experience in itself does not gain confidence. Mm-hmm. It comes through achievement. You have to actually put in some sort of obstacle and say, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to jump over this. And that's, what's going to give you confidence at 20. I'll give you an example. At, at 22 years old, I was as confident as anybody. Right. At 30, I had zero confidence. Mm-hmm. I had been done down the road of shitty jobs, had been broken, yeah. had been broke. So that in itself, age did not give me confidence. It was what I did with the knowledge of, okay, how am I going to challenge myself? How am I going to set up uh, obstacles and achieve those things? And it's the same thing with putting yourself in either a, in a position to do a podcast and become more comfortable with your own literal voice or be in a position where you're going to do like, I was never comfortable taking portraits. I wanted to do sports because I wanted right. to hide behind a camera. Yes, yes. And then eventually I kind of traveled a different direction, 
wanted to make money, wanted to make things that were more unique. And then working with people in studio, out of studio, on location, whatever, crafting light. And it just became this process of, okay, now you're getting better at this. You're getting better at this. Now you're starting to recycle back and instead of think of solely exposure and lighting, you're also thinking about like the human aspect. Right. And so it's kind of this never ending process of like, I can get better there. I can get better at this. Uh, When you have somebody that you don't gel with, that's always like the challenge Mm because you're like, oh boy, these jokes aren't flying. (laughs) Right. There's nothing, you know, and I'll test little water Uh because I'm not like a funny guy, but like I'll test some people. Right. And it's like, you just try to figure out what's working, what's sticking, what's not. And then you kind of reassess and say, how can I get better? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's it. I mean, I used to beat on Robert all the time. Like you're photographing your grandparents, photographing your grandparents, photographing your grandparents, like at his wedding, that's only the two people I wanted to meet. Unfortunately, I got to sit next to him because all I heard about these wonderful two people, and I remember walking up to him and going, you happen to be Robert's grandparents? <laughs> They're like, yes, we are. Um, I, well, By the way, you were like the talk of the town for like the next two weeks. Like, Your friend Matt, oh my God, he's so funny. He's awesome. And I was like, yeah, he's yeah, cool. He's, you, they he's were right. adorable. Right? And I think I even told him, I said, if Robert doesn't take a portrait, you call me. I'll take a picture with you. Yeah. But... I have always said the most difficult person to photograph is your mother. Mm. If you can photograph your mother, it's not a president, a dictator, a civil war, you know, survivor, whatever. It's your mother. Yeah. If you can photograph your mother, you can photograph anybody. Because your mom is, A, your mom, so she's always going to be worried, like, what are you going to do? Why are you doing this? Who's going to see this? Right, who's going to see this? Um, I used to be beautiful when I was 20, and your father ruined my body by getting me pregnant. Now you want to take a picture of me doing what? Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, if you can take a picture of mom, make her feel comfortable, yeah. and walk her down that path of whatever you're trying to create, you can photograph a CEO or attorney or, yeah. you know, anything. I mean, I had... This woman, Kathy, I don't know if I, I think I might have told you the story, Robert, but I, I, I'm early at the register, and this woman, um, she documents her, she gets breast cancer. She documents her breast cancer. And uh, she's an amateur photographer, and the register's doing a story on it. So we go. They Actually, she has a show at Santa Monica College. And she's huge prints, like big three by four, five by six feet prints of the whole process. She had her breast removed. She hadn't had um, her implants put in yet. They were waiting. They had to wait for a period of time. They were doing the show. Gorgeous woman, mother, I think two or three, um, West LA woman, all black and white. And so I took a look at the work and I saw all the stuff and I talked to her a little bit. And I had an idea, but then once I started seeing things, I said, and this was just around the time, uh, it was the time, um, the Rolling Stone cover of Janet J- Janet Jack's on the cover, topless, mm-hmm. but her boyfriend's covering her breasts. Yes. So I don't know why I thought this would be like, yes, but I'm always the one that's like, push hard and see what happens. I said to her, I said, I want to take a portrait of you. I'm going to clear the room. The woman said I could, curator. And I said, could I take a picture of you, topless, with your shirt off, covering your covering your chest, but with the photos in the background? And I had to talk to her, and she said, yeah, sweetie, I could do that for you. I said, great. You're beautiful. Set it up, big softbox. Got a, camera's on a tripod. I was all, always on a tripod then. 
get all ready. And I know exactly, I close my eyes and I can tell you right now what I was wearing. I was wearing a white Oxford shirt. I get ready to shoot and I start unbuttoning my sleeves and I start unbuttoning my shirt. She looks at me, she goes, what are you doing? And I said, honey, if you're going to have your shirt off for me, I'm going to have my shirt off for you. And I took my shirt off and she immediately is like, oh. Yeah. I did that. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever done a full photo shoot with my <laughs> shirt off. And, and But it, it she was fine with it, but then I made her much more relaxed. Yeah. Like I could see the the veil or wall come down a little bit more. And I didn't want her to smile. I, I talked to her about it. I'm like, I want you to be in this place. Tell me about the first time or think about the first time the doctor told me or told you. And then tell me what it was like in your head. Think about what it was like when you had to tell your husband. Yeah. Because he wasn't in the room. So like... That you just thinking what doctor tells you, yep. you telling husband, literally, I could see her body completely change, and I learned those tools from people before me, and so I try to pass those on as well, and I made a great photo, yeah. made a great photo, and so all that came from communicating. Because if I just sat there and went like, oh, I'm just gonna take a picture of you, boom, fifty against the wall, right? Yeah, I got a crappy photo. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't tell you how many times I would come back to the register and I was fortunate that the editors would be like, I don't know how you did it. Great job. Like Dave Yoder, who used to be at the register, he was he was big influence on me because um, he was he he pushed the envelope a lot. Um, Bill Alcroffer, who was with the register and then left, he was another big influence on how I did remotes. People didn't realize, but Bill was doing remotes at the community level, the register like SI was doing, he let lit a football game. He put a remote camera on umpire's head for a helmet. Like he, he put a camera in the ground and then lit it. Like he was doing stuff, but you couldn't do it. At, like obviously Neil did it at the Dodger game. I think it's the only remote shot ever on the field at a professional game, but he was doing it at high school and college level. And so the images were unbelievable. Like the register was getting these photos that no one had ever seen before. So I remember going through the library and looking at that going, I want to light a high school football game. I want to do that. Scaring everybody, but yeah, I want to do that. It's hard to kind of um, wrap this up because you've given us a lot of jewels today. If you had to give people coming up either as a college student that's just graduating or maybe somebody that's coming into photography as a second career um, that wants to make this work, if you could succinctly put into like one big thing, what's your biggest advice to them? Take business courses. Yeah. Take business courses. It goes back to maybe the education yet. You can probably learn a lot of the stuff at the school. You could probably be better. Like I don't, I've gone back and forth on this too. I tell, cause you guys have talked about this. You got a podcast about this. Is college or education worth it? Right now, I would say no, and that breaks my heart, but there's no photo schools. Maybe passing Art Center, a friend, Robert, a friend of mine, you should have him on this podcast. Robert, um, he's a team photographer for the uh, Galaxy. He's on the board there. Maybe there's a couple of schools, but I don't know if you want to drop 80 grand to go to a pritzy little school and learn photography where maybe get some internships or just sitting in my studio for two weeks and listen to me ramble might do better than you spending 10 grand at, you know, some school. 
learn a bunch of books, read from a bunch of books, get a bunch of stuff on YouTube. And there is some decent stuff on YouTube. Um, but you will not substitute anything for business courses. Like if you could be a business major and take up photography at the school paper, like, you know, Missouri has a great, allegedly, um, that's probably going to get me an email, but a news, uh, photo <laughs> department, right? They haven't invited uh, <laughs> me or Robert back to judge the contest after him and I went off on their uh, black and white whole photo winning thing, but I digress. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you could probably go there and get a business degree and just hang out with the photo kids and learn more. Yeah. But you're not going to learn business just by winging it. You got to, and, and if you can be a business and no photography, you're successful, but you could be a great photographer and no, no business. You're going to be poor. Yeah. You're going to be poor. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. I mean, I, I beat on this kid for two years about doing this and doing that. It's not just about photography. It's about credit scores and credit cards and bills and getting stuff paid and don't get over your skis, you know, buying gear because there's cool gear. Mm-hmm. There's tons of gear I could buy. It's not going to make me any money. Right. If it's not making me money, I'm not, I am not showing off my shiny new toy to anybody. My mm-hmm. wife does not care. I don't have friends that are like, ooh. Yeah. I ain't going to press Goulding with a brand new whatever. Like, I don't need to be there. But sadly, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I got to go buy this. Great. Did it make you money? Like, I remember, I'll leave you with this. Otherwise, we're going to be here until your wife comes home. <laughs> um, McDonough wanted to buy the brand new D4S's. Uh, staff, the SI staff was not getting money anymore, so they had to buy their own stuff. It used to be, they used to get an allowance, like $25,000 a year yeah. to buy gear. Gone. And, uh, so he's like, I got to buy four of them. I'm like, John, that's that's $24,000. I got to buy them. I got to buy them. I got to buy them. I'm like, John, you're not going to make $90,000 from those cameras. Because mm-hmm. you got to make 24. Yep. Cover it. And then you got to go three times that. Like, that's how it works in a business. That's how Ford makes cars. They don't just go <laughs> right. like, oh, I hope we just get by. I mean, there's a reason why Ford is getting rid of its car division. Mm-hmm. They sell more trucks. So they're getting rid of everything but the Mustang. Right. That That's hurts. right. I heard about that. Yeah. Yep. That, all their cars are gone but the Mustang. Mm-hmm. Starting, and they're starting that in 2020. I think it goes through 23. And they're kind of letting people still build some cars. They're going to lose a ton of jobs. But you got to do it as a business. I kept telling John, like, dude, you got to do it as, think as McDonough as a business. Like, this is, you could see it not, the ride was going to end. And those guys were like, I got to keep going. I'm like, the ride, it's, they're kicking us out of the amusement park, John. We got to go. It, mm-hmm. the, it's over. And he spent the money. I was like, oh, man. Right. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Business. Business, business, business. On that note, Matt, where can people find uh, you online? Instagram, Twitter? Uh, Twitter is 5 Brown Crew, and so is Instagram. I just started a brand new Twitter, or I'm sorry, brand new Instagram. Uh, what is it? I should know. Uh, make not take, and it's basically showcasing uh, college team photographers. Um, I think that's where the best photography is being made right now, uh, on the college level or just in general. Um, with with the access of galleries and social media, I think there's a lot of great work being done there. So I created that. I'm trying to find and follow as many team photographers just to showcase their work because I don't think we either all know each other or all see it, and that's all I'm showing. Um, Facebook's a waste of time because I don't think Willem checks it enough, <laughs> but that's it really. Cause I, I mean, it's sad like, oh yeah, you can find me, follow me, but 
if you're on social media a lot, are you really creating? Mm-hmm. And like my wife said this the other day where she was like, oh, my husband's a photographer. And I looked at her and I said, I am not a photographer. I am a creator. She goes, oh, what are we God now? And I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't want to be labeled as a photographer because then you're pigeonholed into like, oh, well, you only pick up a stupid camera. No, I, I'm doing writing and I'm this and that. And so I kind of look at myself as a creator now and I, I don't try to spend any time on social media. I look at it enough and I want that make it or take it just to showcase some um, really, really fine photographers. But if that's where you like to find me, please uh, take a look. I think you might enjoy it. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Guys, yeah. I had a blast. It's thank awesome. You. you guys are doing great. I just want to say I am so proud of both of you. I am, I'm proud of Michael. We got you into the workshop. Bert didn't want you. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> He's like, I don't want another Asian guy to ruin the whole thing. And I told Bert, I said, come on. You look good. Look like your kid. Like the boy you never had. And I'm so glad we got you. And Robert, I am so proud of you. You guys have come a long way. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate this. Thank you, man. All right, guys. If you've enjoyed this podcast, give us a like where you found this podcast. It really helps out with the algorithms. I'm Robert Husky here with Michael Durr as always. And feel free to leave us a comment, question, topics you'd like us to cover at Media1099 on Instagram. And we'll catch you on the next episode.